Good day, listeners. My name is Natalie Sessions, and I'm one of ENN's senior nutritionists. Today, we reflect on two interviews recently conducted, exploring how the Global Nutrition Cluster Technical Alliance can support local NGOs. The GNC Technical Alliance is a global mechanism which aims to provide predictable, timely and coordinated nutrition technical assistance to nutrition partners and practitioners around the globe. Recently, the Alliance has reflected on how it can best support local NGOs in addressing their technical needs. And in early 2021, they had the opportunity to figure out what this might look like in practice. They were approached by the African Relief Development Initiative, or ARDI, which is a non-governmental, non-profit and voluntary organization operating in southern Somalia. In this podcast, we hear from Abdi Mohammed, ARDI CEO, who shares his perspective on the support provided by the Alliance and how the Alliance might help other NGOs. We also hear from the Alliance's side, Ben Allen, who is the Deputy Coordinator of the Technical Support Team, or TST for short, within the Alliance, and Martha Nakakande, Community Management of Acute Malnutrition, or CMAM, Technical Advisor within the TST. So, Martha, to kick it off, could you perhaps share how Ardi came to the Alliance? What were some of the needs that they highlighted and how was the Alliance able to prioritize these needs? Uh, Ardi came to us, you know, through the, the website and they requested for support. And then we, we began discussions on uh, what support they should be provided with. And they were categorically, you know, saying we need support in technical in capacity development. We have challenges with grants accessibility, you know, coverage of, of, of activities is very limited. You know, it all rotates really around finances. And then we engaged in discussions with Ardi and told them, well, as of the ZNC right now, we can engage in capacity development or technical support for you to improve your capacity. Mm. And we had all these engaging discussions. We were saying, okay, in terms of capacity, um, where is the challenge? Where do you want? And, and the beautiful thing about Ardi they had done a technical capacity gap assessment and they had a very good Excel sheet in getting their staff who have been trained, staff haven't been trained, and the kind of training that they would need specifically in terms of IOACF, in terms of project management. Uh, they also needed technical support in terms of IMAM implementation or CIMAM in general. The non-nutrition specific support that they really had wanted was overall project management, finance management, which at this moment we can provide that. And I think one of the recommendations we made was to link them up through the SUN uh, civil society network for them to see if they can get support from either other organizations or other entities with regards to the non-technical, non-nutrition technical support. Yeah. Uh, so f- that is how we really came up to say, we'll provide you support in IMAM. For us, the need was really prioritized, one, based on what the GNC can provide, which was technical nutrition support, not the non-technical nutrition support. And two, uh, the, the nutrition support was really a comparison between IYCF and IMAM, and then we had to ask the coordinator, who is Abdi, which one did they think was more relevant at the moment or the point in time, at which point they said IMAM was more relevant right. to them. 
though they would still need the additional support on IYCF. Brilliant. Thank you so much, Martha, for that uh, explanation. And just to clarify for people who are perhaps not so familiar with all the acronyms that we use, by IMAM, you mean Integrated Management of Acute Malnutrition, right? So uh, programming and treatment for malnutrition within the health system. And IYCF is uh, Infant and Young Child Feeding Programming. Um, so just Abdi, maybe from your perspective, you can share how you came to know about the Alliance and what were those initial conversations around how the Alliance could support you with your needs? Uh, nowadays, uh, you know, the internet is very good. And, you know, when you have problems, the only place that you go to is the internet. Through website, we found GNC uh, website. And that's the time we try to... I mean, visit uh, the website. So that was uh, very helpful. At that time, we had problems. We didn't know who to approach. We tried so many possibilities. We met to, uh, to talk to international NGOs, uh, other organizations who were seeking technical support. We didn't succeed. And the internet was very helpful. And when we visited, visited the GNC website, it was very, very helpful. And that was the solution to our problem. When we reached the GNC, was the only supported us and they, we got feedback from them quickly. Okay, brilliant. From the website, was it clear what support you could get from the Alliance? When we visited the website, we just tried to I mean, see I mean, what the Alliance do. That's the time we got all the information we wanted, we got from the web page. And that was the time we have, we have done our request. And what was your main desire for the technical support team to help you with? Inside Somalia, where there's still gap. And if we could get such support in, inside our country, we could just seek help, but we could not find anyone to help us. And that was a skill gap in our, also in our staff, also with other organizations in the area we are operating. And that was the main reason we contacted I mean, the Alliance for Tech Support. Uh, most of our needs were immense. Mm. And the Alliance could not meet all the needs, but some of them we found in the website. Some other requests we have done, I mean, GNC, regarding like institutional capacity building in terms of program, mm -hmm. and also, I mean, HR, all these areas. And it was very, I mean, pleasing. So they have taken all the requests, but we got 70% of our needs from the web page. Already we are having, I mean, also a skill gap in terms of mm -hmm. also, I mean, program and support and also advocacy and financial, I mean, support, I mean, for our programming. Could you also share some of the benefits and also some of the challenges that you experienced with working with the Alliance from the initial conversations right through to when Martha was conducting the training with your team? The support was exceptional, very impressive. But I mean, uh, just in case, sometimes you encounter problems during the process because most of the, most of the trainees we are dealing with, all, all of them do not have computer. Some of them, they have also skill and also English language gap. Some of these were some of the challenges that came up during the process, but also in the future, we recommend also the Alliance to consider IT support for small funding for small organizations. Now we have been taking, I mean, most of the pattern, but also the, the Alliance was only, I mean, being the te technical advisor, we had to find computers for our colleagues. Some of our, our colleagues were sharing, maybe three people sharing one computer. But finally, it has worked and it was very successful after a long trial. Some of the trainees were exchanging also computers. One takes this one day, the other one takes another day. And it was very helpful, but has worked well, very well. The staff enjoyed the training. 
it was very, I mean, interactive. They are now using the skills they had acquired from the training. This was exceptional training. It has never happened in the past. Everybody has admired. Now the staff are using training other, you know, community in our area. So now, so far, they have managed to train 100 community volunteers. These community volunteers now are taking work, doing also assessment and treating all patients. It was very, very marvelous. And Martha and Ben, from your perspective, what were some of the lessons learned, some of the successes and challenges that come to mind? The lessons learned really uh, relate mostly to remote support. But one of the key things that I, I really noticed, and I think this, this is for me the standard human being into relationships, which is if you have a good relationship with the person on the other side of the computer, or if you have established a very formal rapport, good rapport, it sort of makes work easy. So one of the lessons learned, I could say, is there should be a rapport from the start or the advisor, whoever is providing the support should find a way of creating that virtual relationship with the team on the ground. And for me, this made it easy because then the whole RD team that I was working with was able to engage with me without any hesitations. Uh, using the various platforms would say, hi, how are you? I'm, I'm, I'm working on this and it's not working. We've done this, you know, uh, this shows this, how should we get it done? There was that constant communication makes it easier for you to extend information for people to get in touch with you because you'd find that not only the coordinator was getting in touch, but also the participants themselves would be able to get in touch and say, hey, how can I do this? How do I get this help? How do I sort this? Uh, And that. So for me, I think that's like one of the key lessons that I, I... Island. Uh, and the other is the need to be flexible and understanding. Again, I think this goes into the larger communication skills, which is flexibility in terms of time. You know, for example, we had to change schedules as and when needed. But also, I would say in calls, I was generally available for the team on the ground. You know, they could send WhatsApp anytime they wanted. So I think that flexibility is is quite important, but also better understanding of local organizations. And one of the challenges we faced was was language. But we kind of had to find a way and and try and explain how people do translations. Good thing I speak some Swahili and some of them were speaking a bit of Swahili. So with that Using too many words, I think it just comes to flexibility and ability to be able to adapt to the situation or the context uh, at that point in time. So one of the things we can do in, in, uh, is either like working with local organizations, so you have someone who speaks the local language, but also this is where the localization bit comes in where we're trying to use, uh, hopefully get support from as close to home as possible. In my case, I'm close to home in the way that I speak Swahili. So the fact that I could actually speak a language that could be spoken by (laughs) quite a number of those people, then that that sort of helped. And that's one of the things that we, you know, we can continuously look at. If you, if you can get technical support provided by someone who is close to the organization that's looking for support, that's one. The other is definitely finding translators to be able to provide that in the event of a advisor really can't help much. 
but definitely also simplifying the, the training content where it's, it's feasible uh, and where it's not, definitely translation would be the best option. Thanks so much, Martha. It really sounds like having the ability to communicate in the same language is so important. And I was wondering, Ben, if you had anything to add on that. Um, how do you select consultants based on local language needs? With every piece of support now, as, as you know, we're trying to find that regardless of where the resource comes from, consultant, TST partner, TST member, or anyone, we're trying to find the most local or lo- most, or if not re- national or regional person. And the language is one of them. It's not, it's not just about a language uh, and it's more about familiarity with context yeah, and other aspects as well. But language is one of them. And if you have someone, if we were able to identify a, a Somali uh, who the, the theory is that they could be supported remotely to provide the support directly to them. But then you'd have to, you have to obviously have to find that person. Yeah. <laughs> and that's the tricky thing. But that, that sort of change in approach has already borne fruit. And I think despite how difficult it is to find the right people sometimes. And often, and we have we're not we're not succeeding all the time. I think it's really important that we have that principle because sometimes they're available. There are people you just have to ask around. So, and we've been yeah, like I said, we've been successful. So, if it does become more frequent, it means that our advisors take a different role, a backstopping role. When I've been writing about this, I've been talking about our localization approach having two strands. One is adapting our support and supporting local organisations in a better way. And then the other strand is providing the most local resource. They speak to each other, obviously, because if we can find a good, not only from a language point of view, but if we can find a good person to be to build a team around to deliver a support, that could even improve the quality of the support. Mm. Thanks so much. So this concept of localization that you touched on there, I think has becoming increasingly prominent in and has been for several years now in debates about international aid. And this term broadly refers to a commitment to consider and provide emergency and development aid through local organizations, providing closer aid without intermediaries. Abdi, what are your thoughts on localization? What does it mean to you? And what is needed in order to fulfill the localization agenda? Uh, one point everybody was talking about and international NGOs, I mean, local NGOs have problems also accessing funding. They need institutional capacity building. They need, I mean, more support. Some of them are talking about, is this localization people are talking about? Is it is just something in the air? This is something uh, the local NGOs, they feel they are somehow sidelined. So now they want the, the voice to be heard, all of them, I mean, within GNC. I think this big area, there are a lot of, I mean, local NGOs in Somalia, I think more than 100 different regions in different constituencies. And what they need is, I mean, there's already a coordination platform existing in the, I mean, in the country. Only The only problem they're having is, I mean, for them to get funding is very difficult. Mm-hmm. But I think they want to learn, they want to build their capacity, they want to build institutional capacity. Thanks, Abdi. And Martha, on this point around uh, funding constraints, it feels like a lot of local NGOs will struggle with finding financing and funding. And I was just wondering in terms of how much this is a barrier to the GNC Technical Alliance being able to provide support, and how much does this factor into your decisions around working with local NGOs? Uh, it's it's one of the things we've been looking at because without 
financing. They're not going to either start or continue implementing the nutrition programs. Uh, and so it's it sort of becomes, you know, balancing between a scale because then you can say, okay, maybe if we do train them, if they're given the, 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 the support they need and they've improved their capacity, then it increases their chances of receiving funding because I think one of the major aspects that is put forward is, is local organizations don't have the capacity to be able to implement programs, both technical and non-nutrition specific capacities. So we're saying, okay, this is, this is, let's do this, improve your capacity. And maybe that will increase your chances of getting the support that you need. Mm. But how far is the impact of a GNC training on your portfolio to increase your chances to get funding or continue to receive funding. Um, yeah, that was our logic mm. with the RD support was mm. that, as Martha just outlined, that we would be, I don't know, somehow like a catalyst for them to get more support because we're clearly not the answer to their, in RD or any local NGO's plethora of challenges and needs that they have. But we're a part of it. With Ardi, we just thought that they were really engaged, really enthusiastic, communicated really well. Uh, yeah, we were able to put together something we felt was worthwhile. But they need a lot more than just training of their staff in basic like NIE mm-hmm. and IMAM. Because what they need is they need funding, but they also need longer-term technical and operational support to build their structures, but more importantly in, like, financing and strategic stuff Mm. um, to be able to create a sustainable business model for them. Yeah, It's not just about funding, but that is definitely a huge part of it. Gosh, you've raised such an interesting point there, Um, and I really like your phrasing around the fact that you're not the only answer, but you're definitely part of the answer and that building the capacity of local NGOs helps in terms of them being more attractive to donors. My feeling is that we should have some some guiding principles, but that organizations are so different with such different capacities and reach and every type of characteristic. We can't just say yes to every organization that asks for support because we obviously have finite resources. Hmm. Um, just related to that, what type of support is offered, if any, after training and after the initial support is given? Is there any follow-up? I know that on an informal basis, we always say that the, the TST or the specific advisor is available for continued support as and when needed. But this is not taken on fully because, again, Ben can help me is. The point is we are a stopgap. We're not supposed to give continual support because we expect that the nutrition cluster uh, should be able to play that role on the ground. And then we're not replace, we're not a replacement staff uh, for an organization or, an, or a requester. Yeah. But we're just coming in to fill a gap at that point in time. So we need to find a balance between how do we maintain relationship post the support so that we can continue to mentor without necessarily acting as a continual gap filler. You're absolutely right, Martha. We do. So at the end of every support, we always say that if you need anything, we're here. But we 
we should we should and could follow up later on. But the fact is, with one like we're meant to be a short term support, and that we should create the conditions, whatever the features of the support, that they either are can do whatever it is themselves, <laughs> or they can find additional support. Um, but I mean, I think the most hands-on and sort of effective way of doing it would be that we actively follow up and the fact is that we don't do that because we just don't have the resources to do it. And Abdi, what are your thoughts in terms of the what should be the next steps for the Alliance to take in terms of working with more local NGOs? Uh, is now is the time. It's not yet too late to support our local NGOs. Mm. And the Alliance has to focus more on all the localization and support local NGOs. In the coming years, I think together we can achieve a lot. I will engage more with the local NGOs in the country and also the local NGOs also themselves to seek more support from the alliance. We need also, I mean, win a win situation. And the alliance, we have given, I mean, all the advices, advices in terms of institutional capacity, the remaining gaps, what, what needs to be done. I mean, areas we need to strengthen, which are not only institutional, but also, I mean, local NGOs themselves, they need to strengthen the capacity of their local staff. I mean, mm-hmm. to improve their programs and also for program quality. And just on that, Abdi, I was wondering if you could share what happened after the training. Were there any concrete impacts that you were able to see after the support given by the technical support team? Now, I mean, the coverage has increased. Admissions has increased. We have trained more community volunteers. And those community volunteers are now already referring children also, I mean, to the I mean, SCs, SC, uh, all other organizations, I mean, centers. Since we don't have, I mean, uh, we don't have supplies, but I mean, the organizations in the area having supplies. So we refer all these children. The most thing we are now we are doing is screening and referrals. So these two, uh, these two fronts, we have received a lot of children. So everybody was saying, also the ministry, they were saying, where are these children coming from? I mean, all the people we have given training are referring these children. So every mother in the village, we are now operating, she knows how to use MUAC. She knows also, I mean, to identify I mean, childhood illness. This oh. is, I mean, it was fascinating. And this was just beyond our expectations. Mm. And the impact has already been seen on ground. And the communities yeah. admired, and they're very happy with the support. Without the GSC, I mean, support, we, we could not achieve all this now. I mean, what we have talked about, these success stories I'm sharing with you. But, I mean, we are now just uh, climbing, I mean, the mountain. We are not yet on the top of the mountain. Still, we need, I mean, I mean, a helping hand from GNC. And I think we can also, I mean, reach the end. Uh, we can also, I mean, harvest the end, the end results. Gosh, Abdi, that sounds like already quite an impact has been seen following the training in terms of, as you said, coverage. And by that, I mean more children of malnutrition have been correctly identified and you were able to suitably refer those children in need. That sounds really great. And Martha and Ben, reflecting on the support provided to Abdi and the RD team and also thinking ahead, what does the Alliance have planned to further provide relevant and valuable support to local NGOs? What we'd really like to do is not to provide technical support to, to one local NGO at a time, because there are so many other, in, certainly in Somalia and no doubt in other places as well, there's a whole range of organizations that need this kind of support and is to is to provide support to groups of organizations and we really like the clusters to like take a lead on that kind of stuff 
And they also need to realize that local organizations, they probably, they not probably, they do have more challenges than yeah. <laughs> the INGOs because, yeah, no you know, they know we need funding, we need support in this, we need support in this. So, it, so their capacity is not just taken to nutrition capacity that they're looking at. They're looking at their capacity to, <laughs> to really run as an organization. And so they come in with all these requests hoping that, you know, uh, they'll probably hit um, two birds with one stone. And I think for me, this should be an opportunity for the GNC. Great. And I'm sure, Ben, a question on a lot of our listeners' minds is around funding. How much does it cost for a local NGO to use the services of the Alliance? And how is the Alliance technical support team funded itself? So we're very lucky to have financial support from the Bureau for Humanitarian Affairs, Irish Aid and UNICEF. And this support enables us to be able to give uh, our technical support for free uh, for those that cannot afford it. Because just like any other organization who wants our support, local organizations uh, can request it free of charge. Uh, But we always... Uh, in order to make our grant funding go further, we always ask our requesters if they are in a position to be able to contribute, either fully or partially. Um, so the short answer is it's available for fee- for free, but if people are able to pay, then we always ask for that. And earlier, Martha spoke about the opportunities for the Alliance and the GNC in terms of working with local NGOs. Ben, I was wondering if you had any final thoughts on working with local NGOs that you could share um, yeah, we're working on a number of different areas in order to develop the appropriateness and the effectiveness of our support to local organizations. But one of them is finding out ways in which we can link up with additional support, capacity strengthening support for uh, organizations that goes outside of nutrition and emergencies. I mentioned before that we were only part of the solution, but we need to be able to either refer or link up or, or provide that the, the rest of that solution. In particular, things like HR and finance and program management and compliance, things that local organizations might also require support in. And if we don't develop these areas of their work, then they're not going to be able to deliver more effective uh, nutrition interventions. And then, of course, uh, finding the right people, I mentioned it before, but finding the right people is to, to be able to deliver that support is really um, critical. So having the right skill set, the right language and the right contextual knowledge, and not just re- uh, relying on global resources. Uh, we, as with lots of uh, approaches to glo- localization, take the as local as possible and as global as necessary approach. And uh, yeah, we do that in in finding the individuals to support uh, requests as well. And our support is not only available to organizations that might consider themselves traditionally nutrition organizations. It's available for any organization that's looking to improve nutrition outcomes or to make their programs more nutrition sensitive. Whilst our support to date has largely been for organizations that do quote unquote, nutrition programs. Um, But we really are here available to support organizations that might, as I said, just have an interest in improving nutrition outcomes. 
Abdi, you've touched a bit on the unique role that local NGOs can play. And coming back to this role and the value of local NGOs, I was wondering if you could share some final reflections on how the broader global nutrition community can help local NGOs to do their work better. Local NGOs, they're very close to the community. They can access areas, I mean, other international organizations cannot access. The, the only problem they have used to have is our lack of skills. And now if GNC uh, has brought, I mean, skills, I mean, this empowerment, I think, like, I mean, we could just can access more areas. And what we need is also, I mean, if GNC could advocate for more resources for local NGOs, support on every side, build the capacity. And uh, I think uh, behind, behind the local NGOs, the local NGOs could reach more and more and more people, I mean, could benefit. And this is life-saving after all. I mean, one word I think, I mean, I just a good takeaway for me is empower. Mm-hmm. Empower local NGOs is something I mean, the local NGOs cannot achieve alone by themselves. It needs struggle. It needs input. It needs, I mean, uh, a lot of uh, technical support, financial. So we, we, I mean, what, we, what, we, what we want is uh, GNC to advocate and stand, I mean, uh, uh, shoulder to shoulder with local NGOs. Uh, otherwise, the local NGOs, I mean, initiatives will die. Another key takeaway we can also share is, I mean, the GNC should not think, I mean, local NGOs, I mean, can do everything by themselves. <laughs> the little, but they are very powerful. Mm-hmm. They are just, I mean, uh, they're a good weapon. They can reach a lot of people. They can uh, meet, I mean, uh, reach more communities. They can reach areas other international NGOs can, cannot, I mean, reach. Gosh, Abdi, such powerful words to leave us with and a valuable reminder of the great role that local NGOs can play and do play in serving populations in emergencies and in needs. Thank you so much, Abdi, Martha and Ben for your time to speak to us today. It's been so interesting to hear your reflections on a a very pertinent topic around working with local NGOs and and the concept of of localization that we know is is very much in the forefront of many people's minds at the moment. We accompany this podcast with a brief for local NGOs if they want to understand more about how the Alliance could help them and their needs. And for more information, please visit the Global Nutrition Cluster Technical Alliance website, And more information can also be found on ENN's website. Thank you.